today for our uh, service today, we want to look at the thought of seeing others as useful. We're going to be coming out of the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. Philemon, um, in chapter 1, we know Philemon is only one chapter long. Uh, we're going to read today two verses, verses 10 and verse 11. And we will be touching on several verses throughout this chapter but for our reading, it will be verses 10 through 11. As you're looking for, for this book and, this, and these verses, I wanted to share with you uh, about an innovation that I'd read about. You know, as many innovations go, the originator of 3M Sticky Yellow Post-its didn't know what he had at first. Researcher Spence Silver was curious about what would happen if he mixed the unusual amount of molymer into a polymer-based adhesive that he had been working on. The result of, was an adhesive that would tack one piece of paper to another and then even re-stick without leaving any residue on a second piece of paper. Now, the company really had no use for this new adhesive until a chemist for 3M, a Christian who was part of his church choir, Mr. Arthur Fry, he began having problems keeping his place in his hymnal. While sitting in the choir loft, he would mark his hymnal with pieces of paper and often they would just flutter to the ground and he would lose his spot and frantically he would be looking for where he was supposed to be. He remembered Silver's adhesive. And he created a bookmark with pieces of paper using this adhesive. And it soon metamorphosed into this handy post-its that we have uh, now that's a fixture in offices all throughout the country. As a matter of fact, if you go into the offices here at the church, you can find post-its in those offices. Uh, the reality is... That often we will look at people just as 3M originally, look, originally looked at this product. We will see people as being useless to us. Maybe we will see people as being useless because of their lifestyle. When we look at them and their lifestyle, we will just think, well... They're just useless. Maybe they've disappointed us and we can no longer trust them. So they look useless to us. Maybe it's someone who's committed a crime or someone who's hurt us or some or hurt one of our loved ones. Or we look, we, we see them and we look at them as being useless. You know, it's often that we will give up on people, but like this chemist for 3M who didn't give up on this adhesive, God never gives up on us. In the Apostle Paul's letter to Philemon, we see a picture of how experiencing God's love can change how we look at people. When we look here in this passage, I want us to notice in verse 10, in verses 10 and 11, the Bible says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. This is God's holy word. Join us in prayer, would you? 
God, as we come before you today, we know that we need you. God, we, we need you for every area of our lives. God, we need you to help us to look at others as being useful for your kingdom. Help us that when we see one who does not know you through your son, Jesus Christ, who is lost and dead in the trespass of their sins, who, who is behaving just as any sinner would behave, God, help us to see them in light of knowing you as their savior and the transformation that can take place in their life. And God, help us to always remember that we too once were far from you. That there was a time when someone may have looked at us and said we were useless. Help us, God, to remember that you've created us and you love us. And you, would, and you desire for everyone to know you through your son, Jesus Christ. Your word teaches us that you would not have any to perish, but that all would come to repentance. So help us, God, in this time, as we minister, we pray, God, that you would speak to each and every heart that is here today. Those who are listening through Facebook, those who are listening through YouTube, God, we pray that you would speak to them. And if there's one that doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, allow this to be a day that they cry out to you, what must I do to be saved? In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as we begin to think about this passage of scripture we have to recognize that the apostle paul is a master wordsman paul wasn't a man who used excellency of speech to fill up his sermons instead he shared the simplicity of the gospel when preaching however he was a man who knew exactly how to use the right words to appeal to other people in this letter Paul is reaching out to Philemon on behalf of one of Philemon's runaway slaves the apostle addresses Philemon by appealing to his commitment to Christ Paul calls Philemon his beloved friend and fellow laborer it appears that Paul and Philemon had developed a friendship that centered on their relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And for Paul, uh, Paul extended grace and he extended peace to Philemon from God their Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Their relationship was such that Paul says that he makes mention of Philemon always in his prayers, thanking God for him and his love and his faithfulness. It appears that Philemon was so committed to Christ that he opened up his home to the church remember that the early church didn't have church sanctuaries like we have to meet in instead they met in homes of faithful and committed believers and Philemon loved Christ so that he willingly opened his home night after night week after week for believers to worship and study God's word now, the Apostle Paul, he appeals to Philemon for love's sake. Apparently, Philemon was a man who loved uh, everyone and proved it by helping others. He was a man of compassion, a man of grace, who was committed to help those who were in need. The Bible says that he refreshed them. So, have you ever thought about how people appeal to you? Do they appeal to you 
out of flattery? Are we so shallow that others think that if they flatter us that they can convince us of something? Or do they appeal to us out of greed? Do others think that we're so selfish that they feel that they can, that we can be bribed? Or do they f- appeal to us out of love? Do others see us as loving and compassionate? Do they see us as opening our hearts to others, showing grace and mercy? Are they able to see Christ in us so much that they appeal to us for love's sake? Maybe it would be good for us to ponder how others have appealed to us recently. You know, Paul's experience with Onesimus was that was so different than Philemon's experience with Onesimus that he appeals to Philemon for love's sake on behalf of this runaway slave. Paul shares that no longer is Onesimus unprofitable or useless, but that he has become profitable and useful. In sharing this transformation of Onesimus, Paul shares two things that have taken place that proves to Philemon that he, he should express love and compassion, grace and mercy toward Onesimus. And the first thing we notice here is that Paul shares that there has been a genuine conversion that has taken place. It appears that Onesimus made his way to Rome while Paul was in a Roman prison. It seems he came in contact with some other Christian believers who befriended him and may have even introduced him to the Apostle Paul. Paul, during his conversion with Onesimus, was able to lead Onesimus to faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So Paul calls Onesimus his son whom he had begotten while in chains. Paul did not adopt Onesimus. However, because Paul had led him to faith in Christ, Paul took on the responsibility to disciple Onesimus. So as a father takes the responsibility to keep his son uh, or to help his son in the growing process from childhood to manhood, Paul took on the responsibility to help Onesimus to grow from a new convert to a maturing believer. And just when a father witnesses his son's maturity or his com- uh, maturity that he reaches to the point to declare my son is no longer a child but, his, but a conversion has taken place and he is now a man. So had Paul re- witnessed the maturity in Onesimus to where he could say a conversion has taken place. And while he was once unprofitable to you, now he is profitable to you and to me. Paul was able to say this because he had witnessed and helped to cultivate a genuine conversion that took place in Onesimus' life. Really, how is it with us? When someone appeals to us on behalf of someone that has disappointed us, hurt us, or even betrayed us, how do we receive it? When we're we're told that a genuine conversion has taken place, how do we respond? Do we celebrate and trust God with the conversion or do we say, well, you trust them, but leave me out of it? 
I would like to remind us that we as born again Christians were not always who we are today. I want to remind us that as a that a conversion had to take place in our lives for us to be different than who we once were. Jesus gave us a new birth and that that we can now walk in a newness of life. He made us into a new creation where all things have passed away and all things have become new. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 teaches us that when a genuine conversion has taken place in our lives, that we put off our former conduct, the old man who grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and we are renewed in the spirit of our minds and we put on a new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So when someone appeals to us on behalf of another, we should extend the same love, compassion, grace, and mercy that our Lord and Savior and others have extended to us. We should remember that if a true conversion has taken place in their lives, then he or she is a new creation. They're no longer what we would once call useless or what we might have called unprofitable, they are now useful and profitable. Well, the question comes to us then, how will we know if the conversion is genuine? Well, if you want to know that a conversion is genuine, you'll know by the genuine change that takes place in that person's life. Let's remember that Onesimus was a runaway slave. He ran away from his master, Philemon, because he had stolen something and did not want to face the consequences. However, because he had experienced a true conversion, it appears that Onesimus was ready to return to right the wrong that he had done. This change in Onesimus was clear evidence of a genuine conversion that had taken place in his life. The change in Onesimus' life was so evident that Paul says that he was sending part of his heart to Philemon. This lawbreaker, this thief, this slave had become dear, very dear to Paul's heart. Paul would have preferred to keep Onesimus with him. And we can understand why. Here Paul is in a Roman prison. And we can sense that Paul was desperately needed companionship. He desperately needed encouragement and he needed assistance. And Onesimus was willingly providing this for Paul. Knowing Paul's desire for Onesimus to stay with him, we must wonder why. Why Onesimus wouldn't stay with Paul? Well, truthfully, that answer is very simple. Onesimus owed Philemon. Even if it meant losing his life, he knew he couldn't be all that Paul needed him to be. He knew he couldn't reach his full kingdom potential without going back to Philemon and righting his wrong. Paul had to have an appreciation for this. For in his letter to the Ephesian church, Paul instructed them that bond servants are to be obedient to their masters. And the apostle Peter agreed with the apostle Paul when he said in 1 Peter 2 and 18 that servants are to be submissive to their masters with all fear. And not only to their masters who are good and gentle, but also those who are harsh. And here it appears that Onesimus was ready to go and to become obedient to his master. Though Paul was his, his spiritual father, Philemon was still his master. He was a runaway slave, but he was still a bondservant to Philemon. 
a Christian believer, if it is humanly possible, is to right whatever wrong he has done to someone else. And we see, we saw an example of that about three weeks ago. We opened up the new year with a message about the conversion and change in Zacchaeus' life. And Zach, we, we remember Zacchaeus was, a, was the chief tax collector who was disliked by many. Working for the Roman government, it appears that he used his authority to take advantage over the Jewish people. But when he met Jesus, his conversion was proven to be genuine by the change of heart that he had. Zacchaeus declared that he would give half his goods to the poor. And with the half that he had left, he committed to paying back four times what he had taken from other people. Oh, what a change that it took place in Zacchaeus' life. Because he had truly and genuinely been converted from a sinner to a saint. Because his eternal life had been, had been changed for all, all eternity. Here he is now chained, a changed man. No longer the same man. No longer walking the way he used to walk. No longer talking the way he used to talk. But living a life that was new. Let me remind us. That if we receive someone who has truly been conversion, we receive them with love. Someone who's experienced a true conversion in their life. They've experienced Jesus Christ and their life has been changed. We celebrate that conversion. We celebrate that changed life. I want to tell you the worst thing we could ever do is just sit back and see how life goes for them. Paul encourages Philemon that if he counted Paul a partner, if he counted him a brother in Christ, then he is to receive Onesimus as a brother in Christ. Let me remind us, Paul wrote, to Philemon, wrote of Philemon's commitment to Christ. Yes, he was a beloved friend, a fellow laborer in Christ, but how would he receive this runaway slave? He opened his home to be used as a church. But how would he receive this runaway slave? Would he acknowledge the conversion and the change in his life or treat him as a hardened criminal? Yes, Onesimus was going back to pay restitution for his crime. But it was the responsibility of Philemon as a believer to treat Onesimus as Christ would. That he would treat him with love and compassion, with grace and mercy. You know, the reason is that Christ had changed Onesimus. And when Christ changes a life, that life is eternally changed. Earthly relationships are changed forever. The changed person becomes a beloved brother or sister. And I want to share with us that if we... That we live in a cruel and dark world. But we who have received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we must be light in this dark world. Christ must be seen in our lives to give hope to, to those that are in this cruel world. And we do this when we share the gospel with one who the world sees as useless or unprofitable. When we pray and have gospel conversations with such a one 
then we are sharing light and hope to someone living in a cruel, dark world. And if by grace, by the grace of God, that someone exercised faith in Jesus Christ, if we, if they have a conversion experience, then we are to receive them and help them through that change that takes place in their lives. We help them by loving them. We help them by doing life with them. What does that mean? It means we might, we might need to invite them on a round of golf. We might need to invite them to a Saturday morning breakfast. We might even need to invite them to a Super Bowl party. Whatever it is that you enjoy doing, maybe you need to invite one whose life has been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ to go along with you so that you can share with them that you're willing to do life with them. We also help them not only by loving them and doing life with them, but we help them by leading them as they walk in a newness of life. How do we lead them? We become an example to them of one who follows after Christ. I pray that we all develop a heart that does not see anyone as useless. But instead, we see them converted and changed by Jesus. For anyone converted and changed by Jesus is useful. Folks, we live in a time where it's easy for us to be hard on ourselves. It's easy for us to think of ourselves as being useless in this world. Maybe you've done something you're not proud of. Maybe you've done something that is so horrific you won't even speak of it. And it continues to haunt you day and night. I want to I let you know that it's the enemy that's haunting you of this. There's a God that no matter how unprofitable you see your life, he loves you. And if you would Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He will change your life. He has the power to make a life. Or make your life. A, a life that is profitable. A life that is useful. But you must trust him. And I would encourage you to trust him today. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed, if you're listening and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life and he died upon an old rugged cross, pouring out his blood for your sin to, so that you can be forgiven of all your sin. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved today. And no matter how your life has been in the past, from this day forward, you can know that you are useful to the kingdom of God. Are you willing to trust Christ as your savior? Are you willing to allow him to make a change in your life? If you are, would you pray with me? Would you pray, God, I am lost.
I am far from you. And I've, my life is not what it should be. But God, I believe you love me in spite of me. And I believe your son died for my sin. I believe he raised from the grave. And I believe he's with you at your right hand. And today I receive him as my Lord and Savior. Today I ask that you forgive me of all my sin. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Now, God, I pray that you would help me to walk in this newness of life, living for you. Help me, God, to be profitable to your kingdom. Help me, God, to be useful to your kingdom. And, we'll, and I'll praise you for everything that's accomplished in and through my life. I'll say you've done it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, if you prayed this prayer and you're sincere and you believe that today you are saved, would you let us know through the comments or even inbox us? Or if you have my number, feel free to text me and let me know. Share with us, whether it's an individual who's a member of this church or whether it's through the church's site. Let us know that, that today you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we'll celebrate with you. And we'll help you in any possible way we can. We'll love you. We'll do life with you. And we'll help lead you in the way that Christ would have you to go. I pray that God blesses each one of you this day. I pray that God's grace... That God's power and that God's glory will fill you on this day. Continue to worship him in spirit and in truth. And may he be blessed through your life. And may he bless you. Have a wonderful day.